Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be on incidental omas, how we manage them. And I think incidental omas are really one of the biggest challenges in terms of imaging. The fact is, the better our scanners get, and whether this is CT or MR or ultrasound, the more incidental omas we're going to find. Um, a number of years ago, someone told me they had a problem with small renal and small liver lesions. And what if they bought a new scanner? Would it make it less of a problem and I said no buy an old scanner in the old days we didn't see those things so now the better we get the more the problem is and just the term incidental loma is a great term unsuspected finding in an organ or organ system that was not the primary source of the patient's presentation and of course the key is to determine whether it's significant or not and we know that most incidental omas are not significant but many are so that is the challenge Incidental omas are so popular, even have their own page on Wikipedia. And you can see when you look close at the contents, there are a lot of the things we're going to discuss. I'm going to leave out the pituitary since it's outside of my uh, area of influence, but everything else is something we're going to be looking at or thinking about. New York Times has made the point that incidental omas are a problem because CT scans often turn up incidental problems that are better left untreated. Now, in saying that, we also know that sometimes we pick up incredibly important incidental findings, a small renal cell carcinoma that would change the patient's life. In terms of incidental findings, one of the challenges, of course, is if you find them, how do you manage them? And one of the things we noticed, and the fact is some of my referring clinicians came to me and said that uh, one problem sometimes is they can get three different opinions about how to follow a patient, either not follow it, three month follow up, a year, whatever. And so we wanted to know, was there agreement in how people would report these incidental findings? Not only at Hopkins, but we decided to look at two other institutions, Stanford at NYU, and we picked 12 incidental findings very simple, nothing that's a unusual, a thyroid nodule, a lung nodule, coronary calcifications, cystic pancreatic lesion, incidental liver lesion, high-density renal lesion, and you could see all of them. So there were 12 different things that all of us see on a relatively common basis. And when you ask people what they would recommend and you would compare, there was 70% or greater agreement for only six of the 12 findings and those were the six. And it was interesting that it wasn't just comparing Hopkins versus NYU or Hopkins versus Stanford. And then you might say, well, it's not surprising there's differences, there's local preference, there's local experience. No, no. Agreement was lacking across institutions and within departments. And so we realized that individual departments should develop internal guidelines to ensure consistent recommendations. It's no good if three of you recommend three different things. There may not be a perfect recommendation, but you need to have some consensus and agreement. An article by Cole went so far as to say, because incidental omas are so frequent and potentially can lead to costs to the healthcare system and to the individual, that perhaps you should get informed consent before you do a CT that patients need to get informed consent that perhaps we're going to discover something that is of no importance, but it could affect them. Now, that's taking things to the extreme, but it does make the point that incidental omas can be a problem. If you ask me the question how often we could see an incidental oma, 
I know the answer is is going to depend on the patient's age, depend on the scanner, depend on the interval reading the study. All those things make a difference. The better the scanner, the smaller the incidentaloma you're going to pick up. Some people call everything an incidentaloma. Some people have never read a scan as normal. There'll be something on every organ. Well, if you go away from individuals and you go to articles, in the era of whole body CT, Brad Zawoski wrote this article. So remember, these were all patients who theoretically were normal and they got a scan. Well, you can see one third of the patients or so were abnormal. The majority of these were, or almost half of these were pulmonary nodules. And again, the same issue, they did pick up cancers, they found aneurysms, gallstones, ovarian lesions, but still a large percentage was of no clinical significance. There are a number of articles looking at the frequency of incidentalomas, and it always depends on how the articles are written. Here was one looking at patients undergoing CT angiography. So that's typically an older population, peripheral vascular disease perhaps. 15% had undiagnosed highly important findings. Remember that the older the population, the more likely you will find important incidental findings. And you can see that um, these numbers, 43 were of high clinical significance, 77 moderate, and three, the majority were of low importance. And again, kidney and lung rate right up there. And you can see in this article, he summarized eight of the 275 patients had findings of high clinical significance that resulted in medical therapy or surgical intervention, including cancers and infection. Another article by Song made the point that clinically important incidental findings were seen in 6.8% of cases of patients referred for hematuria. Now remember, if you're referred for hematuria, anything you see in the bladder, anything you see in the kidneys, is not going to be an incidental finding. And we always mention that the kidneys is one of the most common zones of incidental findings. So again, it's not going to be a surprise. It was a little bit of a lower number, but again, it still was almost 7%. And again, lung nodules, aneurysms, pancreatic cystic lesions are all things that begin to show up time and time again. Now, when I looked at other articles and I try to summarize for people, What's the frequency of incidental findings? Area of body scanned, reason for doing study, the scan protocol used, the age of the patient, and who the CT reader is are all some of the key factors. And it's no surprise with age. If you look at TAVI patients, those are typically over 80. 17.1% had significant findings. Now remember, we're scanning the chest, abdomen, and pelvis, so it's not a surprise that we're going to pick up malignancies. Okay, we're not a surprise we're going to pick up diverticulitis. The older the patient, the sicker the population, the more the incidental findings are seen, and they become important. And again, you can see very important that malignancies are right up there. And again, here's just a sample from that article, from aneurysms to cancers to dissections and the like. Now, that's the frequency. So we could say anywhere between 5 and 20% might be a fair number, depending on the population. But again, when you see an incidental finding, it's the questions. What's its significance? Do you need to do another study? Do you need to do a biopsy? Do you need to call the surgeon? What do you tell the patient? And perhaps what's going to become important in the future, who's going to pay for those incidental findings in the workup? 
And we know that the majority of these are not going to be important, but we showed that there will be carcinomas and aneurysms and the like. It's interesting, this process occurs throughout the spectrum of outpatient and inpatient imaging, but it's also very common in the ER setting because there you often have a single phase, often you don't have prior films, you have limited history. Uh, it's a challenge. And we can develop some rules. If I show you this case and I ask you, non-contrast scan for hematuria, rule out stone, I don't see a stone, but what's that left renal lesion? Do we need to bring the patient back? Could this be a renal cell carcinoma? Well, you'll notice the lesion is 86 Hounsfield units. And we have a rule that when you look at things when all is said and done, between 20 and 70 Hounsfield units, non-contrast CT is the danger zone. Under 20 or over 70, the lesions are typically benign. Over 70, 99% chance it's benign, well-defined, high density. So here it's 86 Hounsfield units, well-defined. This is a classic high-density renal cyst. When you look at the patient's arterial phase and delayed phase, there's essentially no enhancement. And that rule is very helpful. Homogeneous renal lesion, over 70 Hounsfield units, non-contrast CT, 99.9% .9 chance it's a high-density renal cyst. Again, looking at this further, O'Connor made the point that the non-contrast scans are very good for triaging patients. Under 20, you're thinking about a cyst or maybe a fat-poor angiomyolipoma. Over 70, you're talking about high-density renal cysts. And so that 20 to 70 is the danger zone. Taking this one step further, Pooler looked at their cancers and found that when you went back and looked at the non-contrast scans, that danger zone was perfect. The average non-contrast in a patient with renal cell was in the 30s. So again, non-contrast in the ER, you, if it measures 35, you need to say this is of concern, further evaluation is indicated. Under 20, over 70, you have, you're in good shape. And here's just a very nice schematic non-contrast CT. There's the over 70, there's the simple cyst under 20, the angiomyolipomas, and there's the second picture. Look at that danger, 37 was the magic number for renal cell, but that's the area you're thinking about. And you can see the danger. You also learn the importance of not having a non-contrast scan. ER setting, patient was scanned for a different reason. There's a lesion in the left kidney. It's solid, looks surely like a renal cell carcinoma, not very vascular, so it's a papillary. But what I noticed in this case was that on early phase and on excretory phase, the lesion looks identical. It's exactly the same density. And when you see something on arterial and venous and surely arterial and delayed that's the same density, you better consider a high density renal cyst. Do not take the patient to surgery and say it's a renal cell. It's a real challenge because it's a trick. If you go back in this patient, it looked identical in non-contrast scan. So if you have a patient where there's only contrast scans, but you don't see change in density from arterial to venous or arterial to delayed or venous to delayed, you better be having a high suspicion that it's a high-density renal cyst. All you need to do is bring the patient back and repeat the non-contrast study, and you're going to look like a superhero. 25% of lesions that have been resected under 4CM are typically benign, and this is one of the reasons why. 
Okay, what else? Let's look at the adrenal gland. When you talk about incidental lomas, probably the poster child is adrenals. We talk about non-functioning adrenal tumors detected as an incidental finding on CT. Now, when you ask the numbers, it will vary depending on the population. Again, an older population, more adenomas, patients with thyroid disease, patients who are obese, patients with diabetes, and typically you will say five to 10%, but five is a very simple number. Now, some people like Song in this article make the point that when you pick up an adrenal lesion and it's incidental, invariably it's going to be benign. Yes, if the patient has a known malignancy, it's different. But in a patient without a malignancy, she made the point that perhaps you don't need to evaluate the patient further, even if it's over 10 Hounsfield units. Under 10, under 4 cm, everyone agrees it's an adenoma. But, but Song made the point that over 10, no malignancy, it's a leave-alone lesion. So there is some controversy to doing that but it does make the point that I think we all know it ourselves from practice that most incidental adrenal lesions are indeed going to be benign. Article Burland in the ACR looking at how we triage patients. Now in that paper they made the point that they really didn't have a good answer. Uh, but again they focused on the fact that probably it's a leave alone lesion. It's interesting, depending who writes an article, what to do. This is an article from endocrinologists. They said every patient needs to be evaluated. Careful review of lipid content, size, and imaging phenotype is needed. Identification of an incidental adrenal lesion may be an opportunity to identify an underlying secretory tumor that may be otherwise unrecognized. They felt you need to go full out. Incidental lesion warrants clinical, biochemical, and radiologic evaluation. That is indeed impressive. The answer is we don't do that. Most incidental lesions, low density, you leave alone. If it's solid, you work it up with an adrenal protocol. Things we think about the adrenal, and we speak a lot about this in our adrenal lecture, but size, unilateral, attenuation, presence of fat or calcification, and enhancement pattern. There's no doubt the non-contrast CT gives lots of information. Under 10 Hounsfield units, it's always a lipid-rich adenoma. There's no magic. Here's a very nice simple example of that. Attenuation was zero. Adenoma next case. The issue is, and what we've learned with time is, an obvious lesion like this, once you give contrast, can be more problematic because now we go and you give contrast it's 64. If your only number was 64, how do we know it's an adenoma? There of course we look at the washout values. Here it is at 10 minutes. So understanding the washout, the behavior of adrenal lesions is how we manage them in practice. We also note that you have to be careful. Here's a lesion that's 50, it's one centimeter incidental finding. Yes, it kind of looks like nothing important, but you do the adrenal protocol and in one minute it enhances to 160 Hounsfield units. That's a pheochromocytoma. Incidental pheochromocytomas are not uncommon. Again, you have to follow the rules. Another example, here the lesion right adrenal is all fat, myelolipoma leave alone lesion, no issue. Over 5 cm, there's an increased incidence of bleeding and 
In that scenario, they may be resected, not because they worry about malignancy, but because they worry about bleed. Myelipoma is very they can have only a minimal amount of calcification and minimal amounts of fat like this case or they can be huge to quote Donald Trump and contain lots and lots of fat to the point that you almost wonder if this could be a liposarcoma it's not obviously well defined it's a classic adrenal myelipoma the high density is prior bleeding this will be removed myelipomas are benign period okay nothing to worry about there so again, most adrenal lesions will be benign. Obviously, if a patient has hormonal problems, that's a different scenario. That's not an incidental finding. If the patient has lung cancer and you're staging, that's not an incidental finding. So our rule is under 4 cm, under 10 Hounsfield units, non-contrast, adenoma, stop. If it's over 20, then you do an adrenal washout, and in most cases, you'll be able to diagnose an adenoma that's lipid poor. Okay, what else? Incidental pancreatic lesions are indeed common. And what we'll do is, why don't we just take a break? Why don't we stop there and we'll come back and discuss the pancreas. Thanks very much.